Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where we have a discussion about what you should invest in if you only have between $100 and $5,000. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and with me, as always, is my steady investing co-host, Scott Trench. Great to be here with my Days the Course co-host, Mindy Jensen. And joining us are both Amanda Wolf, the she-wolf of Wall Street, and Kyle Nast, unemployed bum. <laughs> Amanda and Kyle, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise today. Good to be here. Great to be here. Scott and Amanda and Kyle and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business or make your first small investment, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. We have a new segment here at The Money Show called Money Moment, where we share a money hack, tip or trick to help you on your financial journey. Today's money moment is get creative when gifting. Not everybody needs a new gadget or fad item to feel special. A little elbow grease and a dash of thoughtfulness can go a long way. Bake some cookies, harvest vegetables, herbs, or flowers from your garden, make them dinner, or create a piece of art to show that you care. If you need to test out a cookie recipe, you can mail me a batch and I will give you my opinion. Do you have a money tip for us? Email moneymoment at biggerpockets.com. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split. 
with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Take control of your investments and secure a stable 8% annual return today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets. All right. Today, we're going to have a discussion about what to do with your money if you have only as little as $100 and maybe up to $5,000. We've brought Amanda Wolf and Kyle Mass to join us in this discussion. And ahead of the show, I just wanted to relay a couple of facts and some context about why we think this topic is so important. You know, so a couple of these are 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. As of 2020, only 64% of Americans had enough funds to cover a $400 emergency. And the median U.S. savings account has just $5,300 in it. And so we're acknowledging that not everybody has a nest egg large enough to start investing in some of the assets that we've talked about here on Bigger Pockets Money, like um, you know real estate or major stock investments or private loans or those types of things. But you can still get started with any amount of money. And that's what we want to talk about today. We're all going to have different opinions. That's okay. There's no one right way to invest. We're just going to provide four different perspectives on how we would invest small amounts of money if we were just getting started with the uh, these as first investments. All right. With that, let's kick things off and let's go around the, the horn here um, and and start with a hundred bucks. So Kyle, what would you do if you had only a hundred dollars to invest? Well, this is a fun show. Uh, this is, this is really interesting. I, if someone asked me what to do with a hundred dollars, so I've tried to frame this, maybe what I would tell my sons to do, uh, cause that'll kind of give me a good idea of what I would actually say. I would say, don't invest it in any stocks or cash or pay off debt. I would say buy books. Um, that would be my a hundred bucks in my mind you can move the needle really fast for yourself by buying books. And, um, you know, I just off the top of my head, you know, a few books, um, the one thing by Gary, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan, rich dad, poor dad by, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, honestly, Scott, your book, uh, set for life is a good one. Um, covers some of these principles of what to do at each stage with different dollar amounts, the compound effect by Darren Hardy, you know, right there, you've probably got $60 worth of books. Um, you can pick up a couple more, but if you read those, you're going to be set in a place that's going to change your mind about how money has been taught to you in the past. If you have maybe some baggage regarding money, but that's how, that's where I'd go with it. I think you're going to get the most return on your money going that route. All right, Amanda. Yeah, I am with Kyle. He stole my answer. Dang it. I was going to say education, 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 because for me, what I would invest in doesn't necessarily change by amount. But I think the scariest part of investing, whether you have zero dollars or a hundred thousand is just not knowing what you're doing. So there are a plethora of free resources out there. So if you can get by on those, great. Take your hundred dollars, invest it in the stock market in a low cost index fund that tracks the S&P 500. That's my straightforward answer. But otherwise, if you know that you are not getting what you need to, 
to out of those free resources, go get educated, read a book, buy a course, hire a coach, anything that is going to help you move the needle so you feel more comfortable actually investing that money is what I would recommend. Yeah, like that's a better answer. Uh, just use the library and keep the $100 and put it in the index fund. I, that's, that's awesome. I assume the library in my answer. So yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I uh, am not going to go with the education answer since that has already been shared. But what does your emergency fund look like? If you are one of these uh, 36% of Americans who do not have enough funds to cover a $400 emergency, I mean, a $400 emergency is two tires. You're driving on the expressway, you run over something, there's your $400 emergency. So I would start with making sure you had enough money to have an emergency fund. I think that uh, Dave Ramsey says $1,000, that seems horribly low. Um, but if you don't even have that, that's a good place to start. Uh, what does your debt look like? One of the things that Scott likes to point out on the show is that if you're paying 25% interest on your credit card and you pay that off, you just got a 25% return or however you say that, Scott. After tax. Yeah. <laughs> that if you have debt, Pay, with $100, you should be paying off your debt and you should be finding a way to get another $100 and continuing to. So pay off your debt, uh, save up for an emergency fund. Do you, if you're, if those are taken care of, do you have a Roth IRA? Um, I'm talking to our younger listeners. The more time that you have to grow your Roth IRA, the wealthier you'll be with without paying taxes on it. I mean, you're paying taxes now, but it grows tax-free. So the the $1,000 you put in there, the $100 you put in there now, you've paid taxes on, but it's going to grow for however long it grows and not collect any taxes. You don't pay any taxes at the end of it. You just pull it out, um, which is nice. So I don't have any specific, like if somebody's looking for a hot stock tip, I don't have that. Um, Tesla's more than a hundred dollars now. So yeah. So so my my uh, I I wrote some rules down for myself. These are not rules that apply to everybody, but for me, I wrote some rules down to kind of guide my thinking. And so my answers will all assume that this person has a long term investment horizon, the goal of ultimately attaining a sustainable position of financial independence, has already built an emergency fund, has paid off all their bad debts, and is looking to truly begin investing at this point from a responsible position. So those are my rules that I set for myself. And my advice for the first hundred bucks is just buy a share of stock. I think that a lot of people mechanically in this phase with their first little investment are tripped up by the actual literal process of transacting and purchasing a, a stock. I would not do this in a Roth IRA or a 401k. I do it in an after-tax brokerage account. I transfer a hundred bucks, set up the, go through the process of setting up the bank account with E-Trade, Robinhood, Fidelity, Vanguard, you choose uh, your, your brokerage of choice and then just buy a single share of a company you know. I like to do this if there's if it's a uh, kids. I'll ask them what companies do you know, and some you know someone say, might say Nike. Great, we're gonna buy a share of Nike right now on on our our app. That's a powerful moment. You can sell it and and go there. And I would not be thinking about returns. So that's that's my answer for the first hundred bucks. Yeah, and I also just want to add on. I know we didn't set the stage by saying this is assuming that you have an emergency fund, assuming that you don't have high interest debt, but my answers would also change um, if that was not your situation. So I did want to add that disclaimer there. Um, and then the the piece for Mindy about the Roth IRA is 
just a reminder, because I see this too many times is don't forget the Roth IRA is just an account. So if you put your $100 in your Roth IRA, you have to actually buy stuff in the account. That's just the account. Don't forget to buy stuff or it's not going to grow at all. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I Sometimes you just it's so second nature. You don't forget to make those disclaimers. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, a devastating mistake if you keep doing it. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to what we would do with the first $500. So uh, Amanda, do you want to kick us off this time? Yeah, sure. Again, my answers aren't going to vary too crazy because in this day and age, you can literally start investing with $1, right? And I think, Scott, you made a really good point that sometimes it's just the act of literally going and buying a stock. And once you do it and you see your computer is not going to explode, all is good. Um, I think it really helps get you over that initial hump. So for me, $500, assuming you know we set the stage, debt's paid off, emergency fund is covered, any other upcoming short-term expenses are covered, I'm ready to start investing. That $500, I think I might start you know, sitting down and figuring out how, how I wanted to craft my portfolio. So I am not your um, find the needle in the haystack, perfect stock person. I like to buy them all. And so for me, crafting out a portfolio that exists of the total US stock market, the international stock market, maybe I add in, um, you know, some mid cap, small cap, but I might just take my 500 bucks and start breaking it apart, picking three different low cost index funds and just keep buying those same things over and over. So I looked up when we were preparing for the show, I looked up uh, what other people are suggesting you do with your uh, your money. And in an article on goodfinancialsense.com, it said how to invest $100. They have a little, a little chart that says, if you invested $100 in Google 10 years ago, that investment value today is $685. That's not bad. Uh, Tesla, that investment is $12,081. Amazon, it's $1,190. And Bitcoin, it's $380,692. So I'm going to change my answer to crypto again, um, take away the joke of that. But also, I think that highlights what you said, Scott. Choose a stock and learn how to buy a stock. Pick whatever company because one share of a stock, unless it's Tesla and you can go back in time and now it's 12,000, like one share of stock isn't really going to do much, but the multiple shares. So to Amanda's point, continuing over and over to invest on a regular basis um, is going to be the key. And just like Amanda, the the difference between $100 and $500 isn't really going to change my answer very much. I want to make sure you have an emergency fund and that your debt is paid off. And once it is, I want you to get used to investing in your Roth IRA. Um, Maybe start looking into after-tax brokerage accounts. Um, But, you know, pick a stock and figure out how the after-tax brokerage account works so that when you do have more money, you can buy and sell more easily if that's what you want to do. I don't endorse day trading. If that's something that you're hearing me say, you are not hearing me correctly. Yeah. Oh, these are good answers. I, I'm glad you gave the baseline earlier, Scott. That, that's what I'm going off of too, as far as like no really bad debt. Um, this is actually like getting in bed, moving forward on investing. Um, but I'm still going to be, I'm going to veer away a little bit from, from what is being said, um, just because I think at $500, um, there's there's not a huge amount of moving the needle. But what I would do, and it's funny that I, we got on this podcast, I'm on a planning retreat. So every quarter, um, I go on for two nights, 
to a hotel and I look through my family's finances, my businesses, um, our goals for the next year, my goals for the next year, three years, five years, 10 years, our family goals for those timeframes, um, go through, update things, um, think, you know, where do I want to be five, 10 years from now? So all that to say, you don't have to do it every quarter. I'm kind of a weirdo that way, but I would say at least once a year, I would recommend it. And it's great to do it with your spouse too. But I would take the $500, $100 for some books, five, $400, buy two nights at a cool place, cheap hotel on the coast or something, and spend a day and a half um, really thinking about, like not, not granularly thinking about what you want to do. You know, like, do you want to be a real estate investor? Do you want to be a passive stock investor? What do you want your family to look like uh, 5, 10, 20 years from now? Because that all dictates where you start putting your money when you have a little bit more margin in the income that you have coming in and you can start putting things away and that's better than not doing anything. But if you can have a really good plan, the direction that you want to go and put those things as early as possible towards that plan, it makes a huge impact. And I can't tell you how many times I have made changes in our family's direction and my business direction and my investments that have made me or saved me tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars on these planning retreats trips because it's a way to step back from the busyness of your life and actually think about what's most important to you. So I would say still not invest it in the traditional sense, educate and think would be, you know, like invest in the sense of some time to step back and think about what you really want at this stage anyways. I love it. These are awesome answers and they're all, they're all different and they're all right. And you know, they're, they, they all might be right for you or wrong for you. And, and that's, that's the point of this discussion here. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it on the literal, what do I actually mechanically invested in? Um, sense here and say, if I had 500 bucks, I would set it aside in a savings account and set up an auto transfer to my online brokerage in the amount of $50 and move the money in because what I'm investing in, yeah, I, w- I would move it into an index fund. Now that I'm moving, now that I've gotten trust in the system beyond buying individual stocks, I'd personally move it into an index fund. There's a lot of research behind that. Uh, I wouldn't buy a book. I'd go to the library and pick out, you know, the simple path to wealth, perhaps, uh, uh, for example, um, for, for philosophy on why index funds. Um, because I'm not using education in this particular answer. Um, but, uh, I would, I would set up that system and I would have them recurring over there. So every month, 50 bucks is going over to the index fund and I'm just continuing to stockpile that. And ideally some months there are, there's additional savings on top of that, that I can allocate to that purpose. So I'm investing in building a, a system and a habit of investing regularly. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, 
we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, Scott, you've gone last the uh, last two times, we're going to start with you first. How would you vest, invest a thousand dollars? All right. Now, now that, you know, again, for my train of thought, we're, I'm comfortable with buying a mechanic, uh, mechanically buying an individual stock and setting up a system for investing. Now I'm going to start messing with retirement accounts, um, which are going to be a key component here. So I'm taking the 401k match at my employer, which is not for everyone doesn't, not everyone has this option, but many people have this option. And that's where I'm going looking for return there. And that's where I'm going to get the best possible actual ROI um, that I can think of for in a thousand bucks is a hundred percent, um, 50 or a hundred percent match, whatever your employer offers you. And I'm going to invest that in a, uh, index fund, um, whatever the cheapest, lowest cost index fund, ideally offered by a big name brokerage like Fidelity or Vanguard is in my 401k plan. So I'm going to do the research to figure out what that is and set up the system for contributing a portion of my paycheck every month, um, or every paycheck to the, uh, 401k. Awesome. Amanda, what would you do with a thousand dollars? Yeah. I think that, as I mentioned before, my 
what I'm investing in isn't going to change much, but I'd like to stay on the same theme as Scott, which is where I'm actually putting the money. And maybe this will be helpful for some people if we have some newer investors in the stock market is differentiating what an account is and what things are that you can buy. So my order of operations, as I like to call it, is first and foremost, if you are offered a 401k match, so this would be $100, $500. If I have any extra money at all, I I want to get that 401k match if my company offers one or 403 403B match or whatever it is that your company offers because that is a 100% return on your money. So that means if I put $100 in, they also give me $100. And $200 is better than $100, right? So for me, that is first and foremost, the first place that I am putting it. And I agree with Scott, like I'm just going to buy a low cost index fund. Next, my next favorite account is the HSA, the health savings account, if you are eligible. So this is something that not everybody is eligible for, but a lot of people also don't realize this is an account. And it is this like unicorn account that has triple tax advantages. No other account out there exists like this. So if I have extra money, that's the next account I'm hitting, still buying the same type of stuff. After that, I go Roth IRA, then I'm going to hit the brokerage account. Um, that, that's kind of my order, if you will. So I thought maybe it'd be helpful just to differentiate the accounts versus the things that we're buying because the different types of accounts that you use to buy things can be beneficial depending, <laughs> depending on your own situation. And they can be, yeah, these things are all really complex and crazy. And there's a whole order of operations that people can get into about which ones. So yeah, I think exactly. I think it's great. And we can get analysis paralysis, but like sometimes just knowing where to start is, is the, is the first piece to it, right? That's why you should spend the first 500 bucks on the plan, right, Kyle? There we go. Yeah. Go on vacation, <laughs> drink a cocktail. Think about where you're going to put your next $500. Yeah. Kyle's going to take it to Vegas. I take all these, I take sticky notes and I stick them up on big screen, the big screen TV or the, the sliding glass door with all my ideas. And then you start moving them around. It's, it's great. It's like beautiful mind going on in the hotel room. I bet the housekeepers wonder what happened in the hotel room when they clean it out. I truly thought that I was the biggest nerd from a goal setting perspective um, on, on, on this recording here. And I see now that I, I am mistaken. That is not true. So that's amazing. And I love that answer. That's probably, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a fantastic uh, exercise. I'll have to ask you about that. I want to send our video team over and watch Kyle with his little sticky notes all over the place. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes. Yeah, but we won't get into too many details. <laughs> okay, well, where are you putting your thousand dollars, Kyle? Um, this one, I'm going to defer to our next one. We're just going to put it in a savings account that has a good yield, like an online savings account. You know, these days it's four to five percent. Um, again, I'm coming at this from the standpoint of what I would tell my own son. Uh, say he's 22, just out of college. This is the order of things that I would do specifically. And um, there's a short-term goal for the next amount, which we're going to look at, um, or the next couple of amounts we're going to look at. Um, and because it's a short-term goal, I don't want to stick this $1,000 in in like a volatile index fund that um, could be worth half as much a year from now. In the long term, that's great. You know, Not a problem at all. But when I have a short-term goal or a short-term spot for it, we're just going to stick it in a savings account for now. Um, and I think it's interesting, Kyle, that you're on a planning retreat starting around $1,000. I think we're starting to look at more serious money. And now you need to have an investment philosophy or an investment plan. What do you want? When do you want to get there? And I don't mean to belittle the $100 investor, but at that level, getting in the habit of investing is more important than what you're actually investing in, except for crypto 10 years ago, apparently. Um, 
but I really want people to know that uh, where they're going and how they're going to get there. So on episode 362 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, Scott and I sat down and walked people through Scott's investment philosophy. It's a one-page document. We showed we shared how he fills his out and gave in advice on how you can fill out yours too. So I want you to have an investment philosophy and then I want you to follow that. In Scott's philosophy, he invests in real estate. $1,000, not really going to get you a lot of real estate, but it could get you can you do a REIT at a thousand dollars? I don't invest in REITs. Yeah, you can buy a fraction of a REIT. Exchange traded REIT. Yeah. Fractional shares. Yeah. So if that's if that's part of your philosophy, then a fractional REIT. Um, but again, you're getting in the habit of it. Uh and I'm actually excited to talk about the twenty five hundred dollar level now that I've given you a little foreshadowing and talked about real estate. Um at twenty five hundred dollars. I am going to invest in my real estate license. And this varies from state to state. Even though we are the United States, there are 50 different sets of laws regarding what you need for your real estate license. But at $2,500, I think that covers every state. So get your real estate license because you can make boatloads of money as a real estate agent. I'm sorry, get licensed and be educated about what you're doing. But that part's free. Amanda. What would you do with $2,500? Yeah. So for me, like I said, what I'm investing in is not varying greatly by amount. It's more getting really strategic on where I'm putting it. And once you get to these larger amounts, um, you know, it really starts snowballing. So I know that there are a lot of shiny things to chase out there. So we talked about the returns on like Amazon and Tesla and what that looked like 10 years ago and what it looks like today. But you also could have chosen Bed Bath & Beyond or Enron and then you would have like $0. So for me, I am not trying to go find the diamond. I just want to, I don't want to beat the market. I want to be the market. I, you might consider me a little more risk averse. Um, but that is like what makes me feel good at the end of the day. I know that I'm not going to lose all my money if I'm buying something like the S&P 500. The S&P 500 has never gone to zero. That would mean that every company in the United States went out of business and we have like a zombie apocalypse and we have bigger problems um, than our uh, portfolio. So for me, I'm sticking to my tried and true index funds in the accounts that I listed prior. And uh, just so you know, Bed Bath & Beyond is currently trading at 38 cents a share. Mm. Yay. So it's not zero either. Look at that. All the stores are closed and it's still not zero. There we go. Scott, $2,500. Where are you putting it? Um, well, I'm not putting it in Bed Bath & Beyond personally. I'm putting it into... Uh, at this point, again, I, I've already mechanically transacted on a stock. So I know how to do that and comfortable with that. I've built a system for recurring, sending money in a recurring way to either an after-tax brokerage account or now my 401k match. For most people with $2,500 to invest, I imagine you're not in an upper income tax bracket. So you're not making much more than $50,000 a year. That means you're probably already taking, if, if you take the full match with your employer, you still have some left over to invest. And so now I'm going into a Roth IRA. That's right. I'd set that up. I'd set that up with a, uh, a brokerage again, like an E-Trade, for example. That's where I've set mine up personally. Um, and I start contributing uh, some money over to that Roth IRA and putting it into an index fund. Um, 
like a VOO or VTI, one of those uh, large S&P 500 index funds or a total stock market index fund. Scott, are you choosing the Roth IRA before the HSA if you're eligible? You know, I thought about that and I, I, I actually I didn't think about that coming in. And when you said it earlier, I was like, oh, the HSA is a really good, all, another really, really good one. So I think that if you have the HSA, yes, I would trump the Roth IRA with the HSA prior to the Roth. Um, not everybody has an HSA, but if you are eligible for an HSA, um, and you have one through your employer, I would, I would, I think that's actually, I would actually trump my Roth observation with that. All right, Kyle, where's your $2,500 being invested to grow to your billions? It's going into the savings account, just like the last one. It's, this is the time when someone, uh, you know, again, I'm telling my son, he's hustling. There's a, a one year goal time frame here. You're saving some money. Hustle. We got to save just a little bit more before we do the next investment. And I would say, um, yeah, this needs to just go in a savings account for a short-term goal uh, for a little bit larger amount that we need. Okay. And when we switch that up to $5,000, where's your $5,000 going? So now we get to the 5000 Now, this is where it's hard for me passing up the 401k match, especially earlier on, but I think I would recommend passing it up for this. And I would say, if this was my son, especially, you're young. You can take a little bit more risk. You know, this is something that I wish I would have done a little bit more when I was younger. Realize that you have such a long time frame, you can take a little bit more risk. And I would look for there's several programs out there for zero down for a house for a primary resident. You know, uh, there's, for instance, right now, and it hasn't been this way for a long time. I remember when I was first looking for a house, the USDA has a zero percent down for like a quote rural housing. Um, but you would be surprised what qualifies as rural that. The town that I grew up in, which is, I mean, I guess I grew up on a Christmas tree farm, but the town is a town and there's, you know, 20,000 people in it and it was USDA qualified for a 0% down loan. So I would suggest having your 5,000 in the bank as an emergency plan, as reserves, you're young, you can work hard, you can hustle, you lose your job, you hustle, you go get two other jobs, get into a house and either house hack it or live in it a year and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. Do it five times in the next five to ten years, and you're pretty much set. You know, then then you're then you're done. But I think that's your you will leverage the return of the debt that you can put on a primary residence by doing that. You will leverage how young you are at that point. And again, you know, this is this might be different for someone who's not in the young age bracket. I'm thinking of this in terms of my son. So if you're in an older stage of life, this this might you might want to think about it a little bit more. But for the return on your money. This is going to be the biggest thing. And then you can then hit that 401k match, you know, then hit the Roth IRA to give yourself some diversification from a tax standpoint, from uh, from a return standpoint, from a liquidity standpoint. Real estate's not very liquid. You do Roth IRA, you can always get your contributions out anytime if you need to for a bigger emergency. Um, some of those things, you start nailing those a little bit. But I would, the 5,000 is where I feel comfortable. You go into a zero down payment house at your primary residence. As long as you keep, you know, well within your means, maybe a little bit of fixer upper if you got the skills to do it. Um, but that's where I'd go with it. Yeah, I love that. And the USDA map does not keep up with progress. So you, it says this is a rural area. And then you look and you're like, well, there's 500 houses on there. So definitely just Google USDA loan map to find out where, uh, that, that'll pop up. You can just type in the city that you're looking for and it'll show you where the USDA DA loans are eligible. And it's not a gimmick. It's a 0% down loan. 
but you have to follow up inside. You have to fall inside that map. The interest rates are really good on it too. They have really good interest rates on those loans. And you, the time to do it is when your income is not too high yet because there are income requirements. So when you're younger and you're just getting into it and you don't have a lot of expenses, your income's lower, do it. Yeah, that's a great tip. All right, Scott, where's your $5,000 going? My answer is almost verbatim what Kyle said. That you know, when you have when you accumulate a hundred bucks or five hundred or a thousand, these are a paycheck, right, or half a paycheck or something like that. When you've accumulated five thousand dollars on a median income, that is where you begin saying, "Oh, I've now accumulated two or three entire paychecks after tax in my bank account after cash." That says that's a signal that you are going to continue accumulating cash most likely unless some you know you gifted it or won it or something like that but if this is your your ability to accumulate that that means that you're on track to be able to responsibly purchase real estate in some period of time there could be a zero down or low down payment option or within another year you could be accumulating another 5 or 10 or 15,000 dollars and be able to put down 3 and a half 5% on those and just like Kyle said if you only have 5,000 dollars to invest your first 5,000 dollars to invest that's also another signal to me that you're in a low to moderate income category which means you can take advantage of these great low down payment at loans and again the goal here is to move toward financial freedom aggressively we know how to invest let's set aside that cash into a savings account in a down but with the express purpose of finding a house hack in particular. There's nothing that beats, in my opinion, the opportunity for a, of, of a house hack in most markets, in most parts of this country. The returns can be 100, 200% ROI with average appreciation if you're able to leverage that. And you got to live somewhere. Um, and so if you're going to, if you're not living for free, then this is a really, really good option almost, um, most of the time. So yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on the house hack wagon uh, uh, for the aggressive aspiring investor with 5,000 bucks. Use that as the springboard to get into that first property. Amanda, is anything changing in your strategy with the $5,000 limit now? So no. And you will see that for me, investing is really boring. It should be really boring. I don't feel like you should get a rush. Maybe those first couple times when you buy that stock because you're like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like That's amazing. But it should be fairly boring. Um, and I'm not changing my strategy at all. Now, as far as deviating away from the stock market, my whole thing is I think if you can reach that hundred thousand dollars in your investment account first, like you, you always hear the first hundred thousand is the hardest. But once you hit that hundred thousand, which might sound so far away to you at this time, but once you hit it, it really, really starts snowballing. It really starts compounding. So my goal would be to take that five thousand dollars and as many $5,000 after that as I can to get to $100,000 in my stock portfolio, then I would start looking outside of the stocks and looking at real estate. I'm also not the real estate expert here. So you know, I just want to add that disclaimer. But for me, $100,000 in your portfolio is the goal. So I'm taking my $5,000. I'm working towards that six-figure balance and I'm keeping on keeping on. I love it. And I would, uh, we, we brought you on here not to be the real estate expert to give your opinion of what you would do because there's plenty of people who listen who want to invest in real estate and just as many people who listen who have no interest in real estate. Um, what I would say is if you don't want to invest in real estate, then don't. That's the best time to not invest in real estate is when you don't want to be in there. Um, there's a lot of asset classes. You do not have to be in every asset class. Um, at $5,000, I would still continue to not invest in Bitcoin, even though it's apparently some runaway home run hit. 
uh, from 10 years ago, I'm going to go back to the 2,500 mark and say, if you have $5,000 and you like real estate, being a real estate agent can be an incredibly lucrative career. You could invest your uh, 2,500 into your all the things it takes to get your license. And then the other 2,500 into marketing yourself, trying to get that first few, those first few clients. But once you get those first few clients, it starts to snowball. That has been my experience. Um, and now I don't do any marketing to be a real estate agent. I can, I could go out and get a lot more clients if I wanted to do some marketing, but I'm as busy as I want to be. And it is a fairly steady source of income, I probably sell a house a month without doing much, with, with doing no advertising at all. Um, so the beginning, there's a push to get clients. But once you prove yourself as somebody who knows what they're talking about and isn't just in it for the money, you know, those salesy, schmarmy people, those nobody wants to be around those people. Those people aren't going to be successful long term. But if you can be an honest, earnest real estate agent, you're going to have a long career and you're going to make a lot, a lot, a lot of money, in which case you can then go to back to your investment philosophy and put your millions into the stock market or real estate or however you choose. And I will say, if you're going to uh, take Kyle's advice and do, or and, and the, and the my, my favorite approach with the house, serial house hacking, then getting your license up front as, as the first step in that um, with the, with the first 15, 2,500 bucks could be another great way to do that and might trump even an HSA or um, uh, Roth IRA uh, if you're going to go down that path and know you're going to be doing 5, 10 transactions over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, save you a couple percentage points in each transaction. That can add up. That's a great point. Yeah. Yep. And get you, you make money back when you buy. You can take that as a down payment. You can take that as income. You can take that as a discount on the purchase price. That's what I do. Well, guys, this has been a, a great discussion. We're all over the place in these answers. Hopefully, folks find that helpful and not confusing. Um, yes, there are 401ks and Roth IRAs and HSAs and after-tax brokerage accounts and REITs and index funds and individual stocks and real estate and emergency ac accounts and all that. But there's, again, no one right way to invest. You're winning if you intend to invest these increments of money, um, and I think build a system or a plan that they support that are that are in support of those. I think those are the common threads that we had amongst this group, um, and uh, um, lots of different opinions about the tactics about which is the best most optimal way to deploy it. Whether it be a specific investment, um, a strategy, or education, or planning in a general sense. So I, I think it was a fantastic discussion here. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that for sure, the common thread amongst all of us was investing in yourself. I think that's something that nobody will ever regret doing. Nobody will ever say, oh, I wish I didn't read that book. I wish I didn't take that class. I wish I hadn't spent time learning what to do with my money. I think we all spend so much time making money that it's up to us to spend a little time learning to manage it. And I loved that we all had that common thread whatever the angle it was, was to invest in ourselves. So I think that was an awesome takeaway for me too. Amanda, if, if you had to pick a number to it, how many hours cumulatively have you spent studying personal finance, investing, and these other types of things in your life? Like what? what 100? 1,000 hours? 500 hours? 10 hours? Well, I am like a little neurotic or a lot of neurotic. Um, so definitely thousands of hours because I am self-taught. So I started really hunkering down and learning everything I could at 22. 
And now I'm in my 30s. I'll just leave it at that. So over the course of that amount of time, for sure, thousands. But I would say before I made my first money move, maybe an hour. It doesn't have to be thousands of hours before you get ready to do something. How about you, Kyle and Mindy? Well, Amanda's done thousands of hours and she's in her 30s. I'm in my 50s. So you can do the math. Uh, I mean, it was my job for a while, you know, day in and day out. And I enjoyed it a ton. So I, it's, it's way up there. Um, but Amanda mentioned something right at the end there that was really good that she did like an hour before she did made her first move. Um, and I think that's, that's even a ten, bad tendency that I have is that I enjoy goal planning and making plans, but you gotta, you gotta move that into action and, and take some action, make mistakes. It's okay. Especially when you're younger, but anytime, um, you know, it's, you just got to start moving the needle, do, do it imperfectly. Uh, progress is a lot better than perfection. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really good point that Amanda made at the end of there. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that could happen if you buy a stock and it goes to zero, it just goes to zero. That's the worst that can happen. So you buy a stock for $50 or a hundred dollars Whatever you paid for that stock, the worst that can happen is you lose all of that. You're just going to lose that money. And that's, I mean, that's not exciting. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excited to go to zero, but that's the worst case scenario. So maybe it helps to reframe the, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Start with Scott's $100 suggestion and buy one stock. And not every stock is $50 or $100. They have penny stocks. They have like, $5 stocks. Bed Bath & Beyond is 38 cents right now. Don't buy that one. Um, But they have really inexpensive stocks. Buy one and follow it or just follow it. If you don't even have the $100, just look at the stock, chart it every day for a month, chart it so you can see what happens in real time watching it go up and down. That could be kind of fun to watch. I think this is great. And the reason I was asking about the hours is because, you know, what if you're thinking, if you're wondering how to invest the first little amount of money, right, then you, what are you going to do? Wait until you have a thousand hours of education before getting making a move? No, like you start right now, like Amanda just said, with one hour of education and do something, right? This is your hour. It's over. Go, go transact on a stock or go, go book that hotel room and get, you know, on the beach and go do your planning session with 400 post-it notes uh, or whatever it is that is an action for you. Go, go take that action and begin. Um, and then also recognize like, if you want to invest, you want to become financially independent. If you want to um, get good at this over time, you're going to be investing not just dozens, maybe not even just hundreds, but thousands of hours uh, in the pursuit of, of, of mastery, um, which I would say, you know, we, we all, uh, have not attained yet, have plenty more work to do in this call, uh, to, to get anywhere close to that, um, in the world of personal finance, investing in, uh, all these other, uh, other areas. It's a journey and start it with the first step after the show. All right. Should we get out of here, guys? Let's do it. We should. Scott, that wraps up this super fun episode of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. She is Amanda Wolf. He is Kyle Mast. And the other guy is Scott Trench. I am Mindy Jensen saying hasta mañana, Blue Iguana. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And if you're looking for even more money content, feel free to visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash biggerpocketsmoney. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. 
editing by Exodus Media, copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.